Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the ASIAL podcast. Uh, today we are talking about CCTV standards and with us we have Vlado Damjanovsky of Vidi Labs. We have Olentio D'Souza of Technology Care and we have Les Simmons of Les Simmons and & Associates and John Fleming, General Manager of ASIAL. These are the four people that have basically been working behind the scenes to help develop a lot of the international standards around CCTV. Gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, John. Ollie, I'm just going to get you to move your mic up in front of your mouth, if that's okay. Perfect. Excellent. Um, Now, I guess the first question that most people listening to this will ask is, why do we need standards? Why are standards important? And I'll let any of you kick that off. I would like to start, if you don't mind, because I recently had a a little discussion with some of our colleagues of a, a medium, and it seems like people still don't understand that the standards are paramount for anything that needs to be made work uh, together despite coming from different origins, from different countries, from different manufacturers. Simply put, what we had in the past, uh, analog plug-and-play camera, PAL, if you bought that camera from Germany and you bought a monitor, CCTV monitor from Japan, you just plug them in and you knew it would work. They were because they already had a PAL standard. Similarly, with this IP technology today, uh, the variety of protocols, compressions is so huge that standards were required yesterday, five years ago. But we are at least getting to having them now. Sure. But if I'm the average installer on the street, if I run a a small four- or five-man installation business, whatever the case may be, right through to a 300-person installation business. What difference do the standards make to me? Why do I need to know about standards in my business? I'll, um, yeah. I'll give a, a quick yeah. one, just a yeah. brief overview, re why we use standards. So having, having a strand, standard means a better value for all of us, and that means we ensure the quality and consistency of products and services. And this gives businesses and consumers a greater peace of mind They also benefit the economy, improve health and safety, and protect our natural resources, which in turn improve our quality of life. Okay. Because the reason I believe it's important to understand that is to then help us understand why organisations like ASIAL get involved in things like this. Because typically, and I'll put this in a bit of context for you, a lot of people would say, what does ASIAL do for me? And this is one of those things that happens in the background that most people don't see, don't know about, but involves an extraordinary amount of time, effort and energy. And the four people in this room, you, Vlado, Ollie, Les and John to some degree, but mainly the three of you too, because you're all independent consultants, you have put an extraordinary amount of time into developing these standards off your own back. You don't get paid for this. Why? Why do you do it? It's just the passion. Like, we always had that passion. But, well, without us, actually us three, um, in 2003 or whatever it was, 2004, getting together, we wouldn't have had part one, part two, part three of uh, AS4806. <laughs> and the reason for that is is that we wanted to fast-track them. Yep. The standards. And uh, if we went through the normal process we would have um, taken a lot longer. I mean, that's oh, what... Yep. Yeah, ju- just to, mm. to add to it, until that year, 2003 and four, 
there were no standards on CCTV in Australia, mind mm. you. That's an That's important correct. part. Mm. So we actually created them from scratch using existing other standards and uh, did what we thought is the best to do for mm. the industry. Yep. But again, I come back to my original point of we understand that in order to make equipment operate and work together in a way that's coherent, it's important. But why do I, as an installer or a systems integrator, what, what do the standards mean to me? Why do I need to know about them? What is How does this work that you're doing translate? Which standards? The, well, the CCTV standards that you've been working on. Okay, well, the standards were broken up into three parts. We eventually added another part. Um, there was part one, which was really the operation and management, which still applies today with digital standards. Uh, you know, who's responsible for um, the... Uh, Operation, who's responsible for the management, and what you know what their responsibilities are. So there's no duck shoving or anything like that. Part two was a, a really good user manual in a way, wasn't it, Vlado? It was more a this is how it's done and this is the requirements. I mean, if a pole, if you're going to buy a pole for a camera, if it complies to this standard, the camera isn't going to wobble around and cause problems. And part three was uh, the technical PEL standard. In other words, um, it's not really relevant today, except for old systems, but it's, uh, it was a standard that was uh, we just re-released a, a broadcast television standard for yep. timings and all that type of thing. So am I correct in summarising this before we take a deeper dive into it by saying something along the lines of, and correct me if I'm wrong here, that standards are really designed to protect both, A, the customer, to make sure that they're getting the best quality installation, the best quality project management, all the rest of it, but they're also there largely to protect the systems integrators and the installers to ensure that if something goes wrong down the track, they've got a standard that they can point back to and say, well, I adhered to this. I did everything mm. that this said I was meant to do, so, you know, I've done what I meant to do. Is that correct? Well, it, no. it is correct. And in actual fact, without having the standards in the modern times, let's, let's forget the analogy I used from the analog times, uh, you can't necessarily expect to have camera from manufacturer A from country C to just plug in and work with, uh, let's say, a DVR or VS, VMS with manufa of manufacturer D from mm. a country... F. The point is, it's uh, as simple as having common language. Like we are now speaking English, right? If I speak to you in Macedonian, you would not understand me what I'm saying. And this is as simple as that. So in other words, we have common agreement that we use the same dictionary, same language, so you can understand what I'm saying. I can certainly continue speaking in different language because I have my mother tongue different, but you would not understand anything. And this is how the whole system works in any, not mm. just CCTV. If you don't have these common standards, it's very difficult to guarantee op interoperability. And the problem that we face now is that technology has changed so much in the last 10 years, which everybody knows, we all switch to digital, but in that switching, we have uh, went to new technology much sooner than what the standards could follow. So in right. fact... The, the problem appears that the standards is slow because of the bureaucracy, because of the processes, because of the meetings. They have to have so many different 
experts from different languages, but certainly standards are needed sooner rather than later. Mm. You know? The, the yeah, long process too, Vlado, is, uh, is necessary to make sure that everything's correct. I mean, there's public comment, there's all sorts of reviews, mm. um, and you need that to make sure that they're uh, A, technically correct, and B, nobody's pushing their own product. Yeah. Mm. And Ollie, sorry, you were going to say something. <coughs> mm. um, what um, Standards has done for the industry is actually provided them a mechanism to grow the industry. That means if everything interconnects and everything uh, works the first time around with the right interfaces, then you can build a solution for a customer. And yep. the most important is the customer knows that if he has got something coming to him, it will uh, it will follow a certain standard, and he can check or get the quality checked of what he has received. So what we have done in the process of building the standards is develops develop something called objective testing. Mm -hmm. So with objective testing. We know manufacturers and all will follow these international standards for interfaces and quality of signaling, etc. But how do you establish that those systems in situ <coughs> at a project actually work for you? How are they delivered? What kind of interconnectivity was done? How good are the cables, etc.? So this objective testing relies a lot on the standards. And because of this, we find industry can trust, say, a provider of a solution and then verify their system actually does what it's supposed to do. Like Les and Vlado do a test on resolution. Yep. Why do you want a test on resolution? The camera says it does 600 TV lines. You've got to, things in between affect the quality of the camera, of yep. what the camera delivers to you on the monitor. Then if you have a rotten monitor and you've got a you know $1,000 camera, you can't really see the quality. And therefore, if it, standards don't allow you to look at that whole picture and assure a customer, an end user, that see for sure if we say we want 600 TV lines or six, a resolution of X, that resolution will be delivered by the system. Mm. Right. And every little thing in the standard contributes to that or helps us deliver that. John, if I can throw it to you for a second, why does ASIO get involved in stuff like this? Why does, why does the industry's peak body feel the need to be one of the drivers of standards? I think one of the objectives for ASL is to professionalise the industry and make sure driving and it's aspirational and it's a career that people want. Then on the back of that, you have to have customer quality as well, quality of services. And if you don't have standards, there's no minimum set of requirements that can define a standard and or safety criteria. So from an ASO point of view, we want to make sure we're hopefully helping, assisting, guiding or promoting standards because we believe it's a benefit for Australia in general. So this isn't really just about doing the right thing by your members. This is about driving 
development for the industry. For the industry as a whole. So even though we have members and we look after the members, that's critical. But we're trying to do things for the whole of the industry. So if we can lift the industry, whether it's through training and or standards and multiple areas of that concern, uh, then the industry will get better. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Ollie, something you mentioned to me earlier in some notes that you'd sent to me prior to this podcast was that standards are all about, um, you know, instituting progress and taking the industry into new opportunities and expanding the market. Explain to me what you mean by that. See, every industry follows an S-curve. There is an introduction of technology. It takes time to assimilate everybody to get used to it. Then there's a take-up, which gives you a ramp, and then it dies out. Uh, it inevitably the technology or something has you know reached the end of its term, and then the industry can't just wait and and die off. It's got to jump to the next S curve. So when picking up the next wave of technology, you have to understand what a, you know where the, the standards the standards actually establish that from this technology to that technology there is an interface. And the standardized interface will help you move your technology or move your functionality across to the new platform. And, and that's why the industry has kept growing from analog to digital, digital to IP, totally IP now. And the next phase will be all wireless and interconnected. And we're going to see significant changes, not only on the converged uh, communication platform, but the way that the signal is being developed, uh, delivered, uh, it will be, uh, as people say, you know, it'll be just something you click on and, and view from anywhere to, to anywhere. And that kind of connectivity is 5G is promising and the next thing, next level C, 6G is promising. And that doesn't mean uh, with full security. So we're looking at technology uh, not being particularly for security, but video becoming a, uh, a, a like a use usable technology to do many things. Then analytics happens when video is analyzing all the time, and that's what's going to happen to cameras. They will have embedded analytics. W- what is what governs it at the moment? <coughs> there are standards for all of them. So in the end, we will have smart cameras delivering not only images, but delivering data to us on what the camera is looking at. And things like, you know, how, what is the count of people, who were there, what uh, sort of were they doing, how fast were they going, was there a vehicle, uh, you know, and with that kind of detail assessment automatically, which is automation, Uh, of the whole environment, you're going to start getting smarter and smarter outcomes from systems. And we're going to see uh, technology (coughs) not only becoming smarter, but delivering to us a whole lot of range of data. And we will pick it to understand uh, or use it the way we want to. So for security, we'll use a particular aspect. And for non-security, we'll use like for retail and for understanding what how shoppers work, etc. It'll be totally different. So, how long has it taken from the last standards for the four of you to get to the point now where the new standard has rolled out? How long does the upgrade in a standard usually take? 
Uh, I I can, if you mm. don't mind, Les, you can fill me in, but I just yeah. have the, the timeline in my head quite clearly because we finished the analog standards 4806.1234 uh, about 2005, right? Yeah. So as soon as we finished, and I'm giving you a perspective from an author of a book that actually of books that follows the industry. So I know that when there is new standards, the old book section already becomes obsolete, so you have to really work on the new one. So immediately after 2005, when we finished it, remember we started an initiative with Les and Oli. Actually, we even started a website for the mm. digital that we knew it's coming. This is now 2005. Mm. Digital already started becoming uh, known, and uh, not necessarily HD initially, but certainly everything started being switched to digital. So we already started working on it. But sadly... There was no uh, interest, no contribution from the industry as we expected, even though Les even created a website where you can freely <laughs> contribute with your ideas, suggestions. We even came up with some mm. blueprint, if you remember, uh, ways of testing things objectively and so forth. Anyway, that died out. So this is 2008 when we started the digital idea. Nothing happened for the next maybe um, 2008, probably until 2013, 12, 13, 14, where now IEC, as an international technical commission from the uh, uh, Geneva, uh, sponsored under, uh, under the umbrella of United Nations, started working on digital. And actually they approached us and wanted our contribution because they knew we were people that were publishing books and writing articles <coughs> that are obviously known worldwide. Now, the interesting thing is, that process, think about 2013, let's say, or maybe even 12 they started, it's still ongoing. So that's another mm. seven years. Uh, the standards called 62676 were published maybe 2014, some of yeah. the first ones, 13, 14. Mm. But this is only first sections. And when I got actively involved, uh, only 2015, <coughs> I think I got involved and lasted for three, four years, uh, to bring the 62676-5 with Les and other working in here and then me representing Australia. And then Oli started getting involved in the dash six, which is for video analytics and everything. So this is, you can imagine a, a period of at least five, six years where experts from all, all over the world, all countries are doing number of uh, international <coughs> uh, midnight calls and discussions, meetings in different countries. Yep. arguments, discussing. So it does take a long time. And I can see that maybe is perceived by people, ah, we still don't have standards, and why do we need standards? Well, you know, standards, again, as I said, are absolutely needed. It just, we can't catch up with the technology development. But there is no question that we need, and just to finish my point, and I'll let, let's say a couple of words, of course, but uh, uh, as Oli mentioned, with the standards, we actually... If you read the standards the way I see them, it's actually they are very educational for anybody technical that is using CCTV so that we can give them objective methods of testing and verifying the quality that camera has, the minimum illumination, the resolution, which without them, uh, manufacturers <coughs> quite clearly are putting whatever number uh, the customer expects and wants without really objectively checking them just to increase their sale. And where we fail... Salespeople use uh, uh, catchphrases from specifications without even understanding what it means. And on top of it, if you add that the manufacturer 
either has done it for the purpose of selling more cameras, uh, suddenly you have a, a failed product that nowhere near complies with what it's supposed to comply, but of course it won a project, and suddenly when you get to a real situation where CCTV is supposed to be used, there is an incident and a, a, a crime person is being observed, but you cannot see it, you cannot uh, 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 recognize who that is, suddenly that becomes a problem. Uh, this is why we need the standards. Yeah. Can I just yeah. add a bit, uh, Vlado, you raised an important point because mm. if you look at the way industry uses uh, or, or sells uh, CCTV, it's mostly based on product specifications. They try and flog a new uh, you know, high standard or high quality or HD or whatever. So the whole thing is focused on the product quality, but the installation quality and the final outcome is never checked and that's what where standards comes in standards guarantees or could guarantee the customer uh, that whatever he was buying in terms of product was actually delivered so customers should take a serious look at standards and say yep if i tell them follow this standard that people who are selling me all this stuff you know highfalutin stuff mm. and uh, you know, good uh, marketing uh, will be able to deliver it. But as the average person, you know, not a, not a technical person, and I'm putting myself in this position, if I'm the customer, and this is an interesting question with regard to standards, how easy are they to understand? Because most people would see standards as being a very technical document. Is the average person who's engaging a consultant, an integrator, an installer, going to be able to make heads or tails of a standard. That's why you need uh, people who are in, in like a consumer to actually look at the standards because there are guides, like uh, Liz said, there were guides right in the beginning. There are pictures that show what the resolution should look like. Uh, a short distance, mm. Vlado's whole book is on, you know, comparing picture with picture on how much what's the pixel density you need etc so they've got to take the trouble to read the book and not leave it to um, you know a, a, a company that's selling just the product mm. uh, if they don't understand how somebody can achieve it uh, and and how they achieve it and how they should then check whether they've uh, received it uh, they're going to lose in the end well it's sorry it's it is it is a technical discipline like CCTV, IP, whatever it is, wanted us or not, you've got in there, as you know, optics, sensors, compression, transmission, networking. So clearly, if you want to be in that business, you have to understand the fundamentals. You don't have to be PhD in anything. But if you have the fundamentals to start working with the equipment, then in one person or two people in your company that deals with CCTV should be technical enough to understand the technical standards. And they are not really that uh, difficult to understand because the standards actually <laughs> simplified a lot of things that are out there in the imaging world. When you start reading about sensors from Sony or whatever, I can tell you I get lost because there are so many high-tech, high-tech, let's say, things that you cannot easily understand unless you've got prior knowledge. But standards, because it's a mix of people, that deal with this, and not all of them are uh, PhDs or engineers, whatever. A lot of them are representatives from the companies, and it everything is simplified in a way that uh, average technical person will understand it. It just needs to spend time 
going through it and going step by step. What is explained in there? Let's say if you want to test cameras, mm. everything over there is... is uh, how, how difficult would it be mm. for a customer to look at a monitor and look at a specification that he's been given and it says 600 TV lines and read off from there 600 TV lines? Right. It's that easy. Yeah. The, the whole process of objective testing is to give the customer the chance to verify, verify exactly. what he's getting. Verify because is the, the key it's word. all visual. Yeah. CCTV is all visual. Yeah. I suppose this brings me to my next question though, which is, you know, if I'm a consultant or I'm someone who works in the area of system design or system sales, should I be using the, the, the standards as my litmus test? Because if I'm taking, talking to customers about this stuff and I don't understand the standards then surely I've got a problem with my own knowledge base. Mm. Exactly. Mm. A real problem. <laughs> no, the, uh, uh, the, there's a disconnect here between what it is the customer's looking for. The customer's looking for a particular functionality. Why yep. did he buy the system? Yep. He wants to get hold of somebody or, or, or uh, mm. get a picture of something that's happening, mm. which is an event. Yep. So if he can't, describe that in a in an operational way that if there is an event i want a picture of a person at this resolution and identify that person that's my to be able to identify and there are rules to identify to mm. vlado's got in his book of yeah. rules to identify <coughs> how much what size you need to identify it, there's so also this identification <coughs> in the analog standard yep you had it's also in the new digital standards that are coming out soon Yep. So um, it's in process. Um, it but this this comes back to the heart of a slightly different question, which I suppose does dovetail to some degree into the standards, which is when a customer is looking at acquiring a new CCTV system, whether it be a casino, whether it be a sporting arena or a, a two-person jewellery store down the road, right? The first thing they have to do is identify what is the job that needs to be done. Correct. What am I hiring the this system to do? That's correct. Now, does the standard help me understand those job type, job descriptions? You know, what is it that I want this system to do for me? No, the operational side has got nothing to do with the standards, right? Because we haven't written an operational standard, and that's one of the things that we're talking about. Uh, uh, how does everything work, uh, and what is it's, it's called a business process, and right, and how. Uh, what you get at the end of it after you have all these decisions taking place is whether you're getting an image or not. So, but, but the customer has to understand if he cannot describe his functionality, like I said, in simple terms, that if somebody yells out in a big stadium uh, and abuse, I want to be able to see that. Mm. So what, is, what are the bits required to create that functionality to generate that issue you can have sound you can have uh, images you can have somebody or the camera automatic you know very high resolution camera automatically looking and finding that uh, particular location etc by triangulation there's so many technologies available to meet a simple customer use case description. Yeah, but ju just to add yeah. on that, uh, your original is, uh, is there something in standard to help people define that? Well, in standards, actually, there are uh, specific uh, 
references to pixel density as we call them now, which with Les and Oli we started from the analog days. We even then had 100% person's heart in the analog monitor view should be sufficient to be able to identify a person. And if yep. you start from there, that's your first starting point where you say, okay, I want to have a camera that through that door, whoever gets in, I want to be able to identify who it is because this is a bank and I must find out in case mm. something happens. Exactly the same is with the modern standards. Now we are having a little bit of variety of terms of megapixels, camera, 4K, you know, HD, in between, whatever, but you're still coming back to the same thing. You do have certain number of pixel density or let's say image quality detail of anything. We define uh, people, but you also can have number plates, you also can have money, you can have anything that might be of interest in CCTV. And this is, it, it is covered in the standards. Yeah. So uh, the standards then designed really to protect consumers from those situations that we've all seen where you walk into a convenience store and you see the monitor sitting on top of the Slurpee machine or whatever and you think, who the hell could ever identify exactly. anyone on that? Exactly. Or, exactly. you know, a, a retail shopping centre where someone walks in through the entrance and they're so backlit, yeah. all you can see is a blob on a white yes. sheet exactly. walking through the door. Yep. And right. that is the what? problem. Yeah, one of the things that uh, the industry uses very effectively is that CCTV is a big deterrent. Yep. And the even dummy cameras are used <laughs> because the first stages they don't want to spend money, but if they do spend money, the cheapest way out is to put a dummy camera in and hope that it deters the uh, the crime away. And the next stage is to buy something that's very low cost. And then eventually they will progress to something that delivers you know, effectively to the police and law enforcement what, what they require. Mm. But till they don't decide that actually whatever I'm doing, I've got to make sure is acceptable to the law and the police and whoever else to analyze the problem. Otherwise, it's pointless having security. Well, that brings us to another interesting point, though, which is we now have these standards in place. But what happens, let's say I'm a, a casino and we have thousands of cameras in place, but it's a legacy system. It's been there for a long time, and it no longer meets the standards. What does that mean for me as an institution? Well, okay, um, if you say has been there for a long time, that means that system has complied, was compliant with the previous standards. So that right. means it's still not like not standard. It is compliant with the standards for the technology that it has. Right. But if you want to upgrade it now to a digital then certainly you can start using the new IP standards where the definitions for what do you require for recognizing the car, playing cards or money or whatever they want to cover, main entrances they, wanna, they may want to have uh, people's faces and in order to do face identification recognition with the permission of the people coming in. So that means you have to have this plaque telling them you are monitored with security system so you know if you don't want to be monitored you don't walk in there in any case if it says that then you see your system is supposedly designed uh, in the design stage when the upgrading to digital to have that pixel density for the distance to be able to identify a person so uh, all of that is again thanks to the standards yeah if you don't have that then it's really a guess and uh, 
what I want to, to also point out, something that a lot of people are asking, well, this is not a law, standards are not a law, uh, I don't have to comply. You don't, because standards are not law. However, if you have a consultant that specifies the standards, which he understands, in a tender document for new update system in a casino, then people submitting tenders, their, uh, their due diligence is to say, yes, we comply or don't comply with this. If they say, yes, we comply with these new standards, then anybody that has knowledge, understanding of the standard can verify whether this is the case or not. But if they comply according to the standards, then suddenly that, how that becomes, let's say, compulsory uh, document, which is to protect both the customers but also people that deliver the equipment, they know how standards measures it. I'll make sure that this is really according to the standards, and then I can offer them my documents with fully compliance. And that's where you've got a bridge between the client that has no technical knowledge, the consultants that supposedly know that and specifies it, and then you've got manufacturers has to comply with it because these guys can check without you. And yeah. then it's in your interest, in everybody's interest to comply with it, having common basis. That's so as simple as that. It comes back to that old thing of you can't manage what you can't measure. Correct. Is that correct? Well, you can say that if you can't measure well, it. Well, a, a good consultant should be able to measure it. Yep. Yeah. That's the difference. <laughs> and yep. uh, it that's doesn't matter whether it's analog, digital, IP, what it is. That's the way it is. Right. The, and, uh, yeah. one, one thing I'd say about uh, the industry uh, if the industry is only focused on selling systems or equipment and customers only interested in buying the equipment, then really uh, all these standards and all don't come in because they're just buying like a DVD, you know, and well, they don't see, they yeah. don't see the, mm. I mean, this is what's happening. The consultant, you have a look at many specs. They'll say, I want a, a Vigilon or whatever specification and they they don't understand that Yes, they're buying this thing, which has got a very good name in the industry and has done a lot of things for other people. But if they don't get the functionality right and they don't understand what the hell it's going to do for them, uh, you can buy a Rolls Royce and it'll still not work uh, uh, the way you want it to work. Yeah. So that's that's what's missing in the, the industry at the moment, that connection between uh, you know, how do I put forward my functionality and then how does all these suppliers provide yeah. me the solution that that meets a standard but delivers that functionality? So if we were to look at it from a broader overarching perspective, it, it, it's kind of like if I'm out shopping for a new car and I say, I need a car that's got to be able to carry four people, it's got to be able to take us camping and handle slightly off-road type conditions, um, and the salesperson sells me a new Lamborghini, <laughs> it's like, well, it's a car, yeah, but it doesn't do any of those but things because there was no standard against which I had to measure yeah, what yeah. I was trying to yeah. buy. But yeah. let's, let's be fair, and this is very good uh, analogy you're using. I use sometimes in my trainings that analogy. If you decide to do that, to go and buy a car, yep. the first thing that you'll do, you'll say, I've got a budget of $50,000, let's say. Yep. The second thing is, I want to have really V8 diesel because of... So you already filtering in your head by some basic knowledge, which you actually learned through reading some technical magazine, talking to the mechanic. You actually have some knowledge. You're not completely literate. And this is a very important thing. Because when you go to a CCTV project, yes, uh, if you're a good consultant 
Of course, you will be the one that will project that confidence into the customer <laughs> and you take care of everything. However, as Oli said, if the customer is really interested in his job, he doesn't just like, oh, do whatever you, you want to do. I just have you know, $200,000. I need to put CCTV in here for insurance purposes. Yep. Then it's a difficult task. You really would like to just simply dumb it down. But if he says, look, I really want to have a $200,000 system, but I want to make sure I recognize the people going through that main door. I know my critical area could be the lifts. I know I may have, I don't know, any other event. So you're putting all these basic things, which basically comes to what Oli says, they need to know into the consultant. And then consultant certainly will try and make sure he satisfies those first requirements. And, ah, but I can also <coughs> add this. I can also make you record three, 30 days rather than two weeks. I'll give you good picture quality. Obviously, you will request for that. And then suddenly you, you get a proper system because the customer had some basic knowledge. That's right. And as long as it all <coughs> interconnects correctly. And we, that is that, exactly that, right. That that's is a, then a very important part yeah, of it all, yeah, which yeah. it's not just cameras or a recorder or whatever. We have okay. to know that it interconnects. Yeah, absolutely. Probably the other part <coughs> on that is when everything, if something goes wrong, where does it end up? It ends up in court. Yeah. And when you get to court, you get lawyers, yeah. you get insurance companies on. They all want to point to somewhere, and it will have to be where is what standard was this done to? Yes. Whether it's electrical, whether it's building contracting, there's always a standard that gives some surety and a minimum level that people will operate to. Spot on. And this is the important, like this is the last point, which actually is also important to mention in terms <laughs> of the whole process. Sadly for CCTV and security in, in general, I think, uh, the bad things are being disclosed only after a bad event. Yeah. Until then, you don't know. Yeah. And that's where also something we have to change as a mentality in people because no good of you having a CCTV system, nothing happened, nobody, everybody's happy, and suddenly five years from now, you've got a terrorist attack in Lind Cafe or whatever. Yeah. You had a camera over there, but you could not possibly identify a person because, as you said, previously is a white blob because of the sun reflecting or is too far then suddenly everybody ah but cctv that doesn't work this uh, you know people don't know what they're doing and well, suddenly the prime minister yeah. goes into some mm. special uh, mood to improve that you yeah. know the point is we need to prepare everything to the point of god forbid something bad happening we wish never happens mm. but it has to be ready f as if it will happen every day and the only way to do it is have the standards talk yeah. And actually understand what and you're the offering. Objective yeah. deaths, the objective desks, the objective desks actually do that. They, they do t these use cases are tested. Yeah. So that's why you need standards because in the end, if you test it to the standard, mm. the standard actually says you've got to be at this distance, you've got to yes. uh, run at mm. this distance. This is the pixel degradation, movement, yeah. speed. So if you if you know your specific and what you want. It can be put into technical terms and the system can be tested against exactly. it. Yeah. And it provides, I imagine, a level of protection too because, you know, there will be consultants in the industry who have been doing this for a long time that very get very annoyed with the, and I'm saying this in air quotes because people can't see it, with the consultants that haven't been in the industry for very long or don't know what they're doing and also integrators, specifiers and installers who, you know, they get a design plan for the local indoor swimming pool mm. to put up a whole bunch of dome cameras that don't have dehumidifiers in them mm. and they're just like, 
really? Mm. Seriously? Yeah. This is what... And they can point back to the standard and say to the consultant... Mm-hmm. I, we can't do this. This is the standard clearly specifies that in this type of wet environment or mm-hmm. high humidity environment, we need to have X. Mm-hmm. But this brings me to my next point. We can have the best. Sorry, Les, I'll come to you in two seconds. We can have the best standards in the world, but if no one has access to them, what good are they? And this is one of the problems that a lot of people have raised in the past is that SAI control these standards and they can be quite costly for a lot of companies to try and get access to. You know, And as a result of that, a lot of the smaller companies sort of look at groups like ASIAL who are representing them and saying, yeah, but you're putting all this time, effort and energy into developing a standard that we can't afford. But Les, you said there's been some changes in this area. Yes, there have. Uh, one thing I'd like to add to the past Yep, discussion sure. or the earlier discussion is that prior to our standards coming out in Australia, the, the 4806 standards, uh, 83% of the images that police in New South Wales went to were useless. Yeah. Um, now that figure would be a lot lower than that due if to the standards. If people were compla- uh, complying to the yeah. standards. But then it doesn't mean that everybody's going to use those standards. Yeah. Yep. Now, getting back to the thing about SO, that about Standards Australia, yep, um, and they've had one distributor for um, I think since two thousand and three or thereabouts. Uh, there's been some industry dissatisfaction uh, for various reasons, and Standards started working on a new framework, and they released a document only a week and a half ago from in November. 2019 uh, called Distribution Licensing Policy Framework. It's on Standards Australia's uh, website where they, prior to that they had re- they had appointed another distributor because competition's a good thing. But they also changed a number of other things. During that single or monopoly on standards, uh, standards uh, weren't appearing in libraries where a lot of the average people would go and read them if they needed to rather than buying them because it's quite they're quite expensive uh, it became more expensive uh, and that's going to happen and also the uh, standards are looking at innovative ways of p- getting standards to people they, and I'm throwing something up in the air here they, there might be apps for say plumbers and there are certain things outside of plumbing that they need to know. Well, they might be accessible from Standards Australia in an app or something like that. And uh, I had a good discussion with somebody at Standards recently about this new framework, and I think it's wonderful because it means that the average person can get access to standards, and that's very important, John. Yeah, because, I mean... You've, you've all put a huge amount of time, effort and energy, both as an association and as individuals, into developing these standards. I mean, I'm saying that for the people who are listening to this, it's frustrating, but it must frustrate the crap out of you, oh, tell you. that you've put <laughs> so much effort into this no, and then people go, well, duh, but, 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 what standard? But, but hang on, <clears throat> yeah. for, for a cup of tea, a yeah. biscuit and a few other things, yeah. we do it because we believe it should be done. Yes, yeah. there's no monetary gain at all, <laughs> yep. and uh, we've the three of us have put it in. I mean, even when when we started for eight oh six, 
one of us was paying for the conference room to do it. Yeah. Because we just wanted to get it done. Yeah. And then take it to standards at eighty five percent complete or thereabouts, <laughs> and and then start the stand, normal standards process. If prior to that we were trying to we about five years six years prior to that. We had an attempt at it. There was 18 people at the table and it went nowhere. Yep. The three of us got got together and it went somewhere. Yep. We achieved, uh, well, in a very short time, didn't we? And, yeah. And, and it was great. There's one thing about the uh, cooperation. What we've put in is, is fine. I mean, that's not the issue. But when we do it, hoping people will come to the meeting yeah. to get an explanation... We get absolutely no response. We get two people or three people. Mm -hmm. When there are thousands attending a trade show. And I bet you those two people that turn up just turn up to try and tell you how much smarter they are than you. Uh, well, that, something like that. That was but right. We, yeah. actually, we actually had three at yeah. one trade, small trade show. Yeah. What and, and one of them thought he knew more than yeah. the yeah. three of us put together. Yeah. We, we were there. We went there in good faith. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we are disappointed and we would expect a lot more interest in standards yeah, and what we'd yeah. like to see no less the the uh, what we'd like to see is that at all the trade shows it becomes compulsory to or semi compulsory to have uh standards uh, Discussions uh or presence there yeah. you know of standards presence there yeah. because yeah. if you can't uh have you know uh, customers want to know what what are these standards where's the standard you know what are if you have trade shows providing you basic information, come and see. This is a standard. This is how you test it. You, what kind of system do you need? What kind of functionality do you need? Here you are. Have a look yeah. at it. Mm. And that's how you educate the masses uh, to how these standards could be useful to them. Well, John's in the background madly yeah. scribbling notes yeah. here. He's, he's got the that. power to do but something about we'd this. We'd like to see well, well, every well, magazine. Yeah. We'd like to see every magazine. Oh, okay, there's a shot across my bow. Yep. Every one of them yep. raise standards as being a useful tool to confirm uh, the, the usability of the system and the quality, whether you're actually getting... By consumer law, if it was applied properly and customers had an issue, uh, they could take it take the provider to task because they know that they're supposed to get X, you know, kind of resolution, etc. And the provider has not provided it. So they, it's it's uh, controlled or managed by that kind of scenario. So yeah. uh, uh, I think more awareness yeah. is better, isn't it? I would like to say a couple of words. Maybe this becomes <coughs> a little bit boring thing that I always repeat the thing. But I really would like to urge the industry in general especially the younger members, to be more proactive and more uh, thirsty for knowledge because they are the ones that tomorrow will need to upgrade the standards. Standards are never static. They're always developing, evolving. I mean, sadly, we take a long time to bring one, in this case, IP. It's a whole story how and mm -hmm. how far we've gone with that. Adopting standards took more than what it should. But again, I'm not <laughs> going to say this. Uh, what, what I want to highlight is that if younger people get involved and take ownership of that, uh, they all become proud because they are part of the developing of technology. And I'm sure every young person in the industry, I mean, I'm saying young because we are really all, I don't know, don't want to say yeah. numbers, but we are certainly <laughs> all with grey hair, as you can see. Yeah. We, we are not going to be there for the next 10, 20 years doing the same thing. Uh, 
Uh, we are not the smartest. We are just somebody that had some knowledge and passion to do it together. Now, if the younger <coughs> people don't take over, then we suddenly dilute in, uh, happens whatever happens. And yet the driving force is that passion. And I can tell you my personal experience. When I've gone in the past, this is like I'm talking about 10 years ago, so overseas to do my seminars, and I go all around the world. I, it is so pleasing and humbling to hear people asking, Lado, tell us what is the latest in Australia. What are you doing with standards? What is doing with technology? Because I have to just remind younger audience that may not even know, there were tremendously fantastic advanced technology coming from Australia in the security. The MaxPro, the Paycom, the AdPro, the, all these names that actually meant something in the world as the best. And that was really such a driving thing, you know. We were really passionate to see, yes, we are really a technology nation. We are know-how technology nation. There are so many smart kids out there, but somehow their uh, passion or, or, or desire to do something in security industry doesn't seem to be there. It seems like everything is down to who will sell more cameras, uh, who will sell more boxes without thinking about what is behind it and how we make it better, how we develop something new. And I wish younger audience really gets that, that little spark that to will do drive it, yeah. further. To do yeah. it well. Yeah. You know, yeah. we, are, we are training literally the whole world. The, 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 um, this is not I don't want to say this. This is somebody else has to say. But I'm teaching the whole world with my books. I, I'm literally teaching everywhere, from America to Russia to wherever. If I can teach these people overseas and they then produce software based on that, there are people that have used my book to develop software, which is one of the most respected softwares in the world for do, doing designs on, on CCTV systems. Why can't we do all these things here in Australia? I know there are smart people out there. There you absolutely know? are. We've <laughs> we've met them. They come to the the shows. They come to the events. They they work for the big engineering consulting companies and all the rest of it. But I think it's just hearing things like this and getting the guidance. I mean, we've already seen an example, unfortunately, of what you're talking about when you know when Keith Jessup stepped away from the industry some years ago and took with him all of that knowledge around control room standards and grading and and monitoring and all the rest of it that. No one else stepped up to the plate to, to take over. And they will, and it will re-emerge over time. But, you know, you get that knowledge gap that happens over yeah. 10 or 15 that's years. It. That's mm. it. Yeah. That's it. That's well, the future is the young. Yep. I think we, we all acknowledge that. Mm. But we, the important thing for the three of us is to see young people being interested in trying to replace us. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> you know, that's really the tr what it's about. And they need to... Say, so, well, I, you know, I want to be the next Ollie or I want to be the next Vlado or, you know, whatever. And yep. it's, it's very important to us that something yeah, like well that happens. It's not an ego thing. It's just <laughs> it's, the industry, and it's for know. the industry because yeah, if you, if, uh, I mean, if you don't have standards, you don't have uh, usability, you know, people come up with new concepts of uh, building um, a solution that's smart, integration, the concepts are changing and if the the young people don't understand it and don't want to use it and they just want to buy a system CCTV from somebody X and uh, or don't want to create it either. Y, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Then uh, you, you just see what happened was all the big companies, uh, you know, I don't want to take any brand names here, mm. bought all these companies off, pushed them under their banner and then started DVD sales like DVD-like sales. In yeah. the end, what happened was uh, all the 
specialist companies like Paycom and all who design things uh, <laughs> lost out. They they had no uh, in need for the technical people. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, the industry got mm. rid of them. It has become, as we mentioned earlier, a <coughs> box selling industry. Yeah, yeah. But there has to be somebody out there who's capable of putting it together. It's got to be easy. They, they need Look, standards yeah. and they it's need the now to do that. leadership. Yeah. Yep. But I'm sure there are a group of smart young people out oh, there who yeah. are up to all oh. of this. They they probably just think no one's going to take me seriously because I'm too young. They need to get in contact. They Correct. need to get involved. They need to be talking to Asia and they need to be part of the solution. So, look, we're almost up to an hour. So, yeah. in in recapping all of this, I guess uh, you know we've established that standards are important because not only do they help us develop interconnectivity between devices and networks and and different countries and all the rest of it. They provide the consumer with protection. They provide the installer with protection. They provide the consultant with guidance. They give us legal protection. These are all things that are an important part of what we do and why groups like ASIO need to be involved. We know that they are now more accessible, but if they want to find them, where do they go? And tools to verify. Will be more accessible. Yeah, Yeah, and tools to verify. The standards process of going to where they're going... Yep. It does take time. If you're going to do it properly, you've got to take your time. Yeah, but uh, where do we find them? How do we access them? Well, hopefully uh, the the uh, young guys who we were talking about before can go and in girls. the future. Yes, we'll be able to go to uh, the library and read the standards. Yep. And uh, is this something that's available, John, through ASIL in any way, shape or form? Or? Because of licensing requirements. But the standards, even though we're in for a full adoption by Australia at the moment, they're still available. They're nominated on the Australian Standards website and on the IEC website. So they still can be bought. And we're going through the process now of having full adoption and we'd hope to have that completed by the June 2020. Mm. Right. right. So what we'll do is we'll include a link in the description of the podcast when it comes out um, with a link to the actual existing standards and where people can go to find those. Gentlemen, thank you all very much for coming in. You're all talking about yourselves as though you're old, but we don't have a Zimmer frame parking lot out the front just yet for this podcast, but that's it. But uh, thank you for coming in. Thank, thank you for you. being a part of the podcast. Thank you, and, uh, and invite people to the sessions that we organize uh, to to educate themselves. You know, they're all free. Mm. No yeah. charges, but uh, they should attend it. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and invite the uh, publishers of magazines and other things uh, to, to come in as well to appraise, them, appraise themselves of what's happening. You know? Yep. And if you'd like to know a bit more about uh, this podcast or any of the other podcasts, please visit iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Blurberry, and all the other great places. You can also go to the ASIL website, www.asiel.com.au, and find all of the back episodes there. And we will join you on the next podcast.